named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to another episode of the World Class Agency podcast. My name is Mark Worrell from Love to Move. I'm joined, as ever, by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, hello. How's it going? What's going on? Are you in lockdown? Are you not? Are you tier two, tier one, tier three? I have absolutely no idea uh, what tier I am or where we are. Uh, every day is Groundhog Day to me. We don't really leave the house anyway. We're like a week away from having a kid. So we're literally the next time I leave the house, we'll be in an Uber to go to Chelsea and Westminster Hospital and start thinking very seriously about how to be responsible in life. Uh, so, yeah, I don't yes, watch mate. News, so I have no idea about lockdown, but it seems pretty normal. There's always people walking around the street. Pubs seem to be open. Yeah. Yeah, we. Um, I, I I only asked that question because it was I think on the news this afternoon. I I have no idea. I think we might be tier two in Lancashire. Um, I've got a lot of friends and family in Liverpool, which makes them tier three. Um, they were moaning a little bit, but I actually put a message on one of my Facebook groups to say, "Can't control what you can't control." I'm gonna have a great morning with the kids, a bit of reading, which I did, and I have a good morning, good day at work. So I'll worry about that tonight or next week or not worry about it at all because the market is the market. Who would have predicted that the market would have been quite as busy as it has been way back in April, May, whenever really. The market has um, outperformed, I think, probably anyone's expectation. So you can't control it. Just get out there and and get some work doing. That's the message that we're telling um, our agents and the teams that that we work with. And a lot of them are doing that heads down, working hard, not letting any sort of outside noise be a distraction, which I think is the way it's got to be. Without a doubt. I think uh, there's times where a strong market can almost be more of a distraction than, than not because you, the assumption is there's always going to be business, you know? Um, and I made a comment last week on the Halifax house price index, I think it was, where uh, their mortgage approvals went went nuts that's the official term i think that their uh, ceo put in in their release um and yeah and they said their house prices were up uh six percent since lockdown had come out so two percent month on month like that's an yeah. annual price rise you know um to, to the point where i had a couple of my guys saying like uh, what do you think about this? And I just sort of said, like, it gets to a point where it becomes unsustainable. The price increases. Um, and I mm-hmm. think we're starting to see that now, particularly with flats. Um, you know, certainly agents I'm speaking to are struggling to uh, find the early buyers, shall I say. Um, and I think that that's just a, there's an expectation on price now because those big headline stats of 2% month on month growth or 6%, since lockdown, people just see 6% and they go, okay, cool. I thought my house was worth 750. Uh, now I think it's worth 800, you know, um, yeah. is that yeah. right? Nearly almost. Uh, so I would, have uh, gone, I would have gone a hundred to 106, but that's going to be in a northern, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 
uh, I don't know what's worth, Northern or Australian, but we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's coming to that crunch time, you know. And we're going to talk to a bloke today who's, um, I think, runs a pretty big but very tight ship business where they don't get carried away in a good market, they don't get carried away in a bad market, and they make the most of whatever's put in front of them. Or probably they they put stuff in front of them is probably the better way of talking about that, you know, and we'll, we'll ask him some questions around prospecting and things like that too. And I think there's, there's gotta be, well, there needs to be an awareness over the next probably two weeks coming towards the, by in two weeks time will be coming towards the end of October. You know, there's effectively then five business weeks left of the year. I don't know about you, but I reckon everyone's going to bail out of work early this year because everyone's got so much leave up their sleeves. So I think you'll start seeing a real shutdown from, you know, uh, 10th 11th of december rather than that traditional like 18 19 shut off uh so think about what you want to be doing in january now you know and start having those conversations with people because if you can't get a property in the market in the next couple of weeks chances are you'll be just racking stacking those listing agreements ready for boxing day um to then show them through in january Oh, we're talking about Boxing Day already. Wow, where where has, has this year gone? I'm really excited to talk to today's guest. I met him at a um, event in Manchester, and I was really impressed with probably his pragmatism towards estate agency. Um, very knowledgeable guy. Runs a very good business, and yeah, I'm I'm really really looking forward to it. Shall we Shall we introduce your guest? Yeah, let's dive in. Today's guest is an award-winning agent and brings over 18 years of experience running a family business that he's helped grow from strength to strength. Uh, he's built that business by consistently executing simple principles, which result in high prices and short timescales for all his clients. Uh, I've tried to find something funny to say about him, but everyone I speak to just says that he's a nice guy. Um, I describe him as an agent's agent. He's a great mix of no-nonsense and hard work. Mike Nettleton, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Very kind of you to say, Sam. Thank you, Mark, for having me as well. You're more welcome. Looking forward to, um, I'm sure, what will be a really interesting um, chat. But 18 years in the industry, um, obviously very successful. What do you think it is that you've managed to do right throughout that career? Or is it something you've learned in, in later years to, to have that success, Michael? Probably later years, if I'm honest. Um, although it was a family business, strangely enough, I did fall into it. So like any any good estate agent, when as a as a child, I was like, no, I'm going to go doing my own thing. And then ended up kind of falling into it. Completely fell in love with it the first day um, because you know there is no other job quite like it. Um, spent my twenties being just loving it really, but I found that there was a real shortage of resources to learn from. So I think during my twenties, I probably made all of the classic mistakes that anyone kind of plying their trade would make. Um, then in my early 30s, I joined the Property Academy and Peter Knight just, you know, just opened my eyes really. So uh, I was always quite a keen reader having left school, never read anything at school, but as soon as I left school, I was like, my brain said, right, I need input, I need information. So, but then Peter just completely opened my eyes to a whole world um, of, of, of readings like the E-Myth and such like, which has been fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, then I think Facebook's been fantastic for our business in terms of the community. Um, estate agencies become such a small it's like a village really uh, and it's fantastic because there's so many great people in our industry um, and there's so much you can learn from so uh, you know big shout out to Stephen Brown and his mastermind group so 
I've been a member of that for the last three years now. And, uh, you know, if I could label one thing that's, you know, well, between Peter and Stephen, you know, absolutely <laughs> phenomenal for me. So, yeah, it's been fantastic. But just getting access to that information, that was the challenge. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with the community that um, a load of really good people are contributing to in our in, in our industry is fantastic. I just want to go back to something that you said there, um, the classic the classic mistakes you made you made in the twenties. Mm. What what were those, and what do you do now so that um, members of your team don't make the same mistakes? Um, probably just lack of skills, really, and and personal awareness. So I was always very driven, very competitive, um, and I kind of look at. You know, my sales pitch in the front room, um, it wasn't terrible, but, you know, when you look at what Josh Fegan and people are, uh, and, and the kind of, um, you know, scripts, dialogue, skills, you know, empathy and all this, I, it wasn't really on my radar, if I'm honest. Um, I just took great pride in being accurate on the valuation and charging a good fee and doing a good job, which were good drivers, but you need a little bit more than that to really kind of kick on. So, and so, yeah, I, I, you, learn, you learn as you go, don't you? And then and what did you do to the staff was, was the next one as well. Because obviously being, being the lister uh, and the manager, I spent a large chunk of my time out. So I had quite compressed amount of times when I was in. So I had to be quite um, concise with my message in terms of what needed to happen and what I thought and what I said and what was heard. Um, you know, the three things didn't always align. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to focus on training and development for a little bit as well, because I think that that clearly um, was, was the moment where you were like, oh, wow, there's, there is more to this and more opportunity to this and potentially more results and income and success, etc. cetera. Um, like, where did you sort of start? Like, what was, did you talk about Peter Knight and the Property Academy? Like, can you take us back to that first aha moment and what was it? Because I think that there's probably a lot of people out there waiting for theirs to come along and slap them in the face. And it sounds like yeah. you went looking for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I didn't think I was ready for it, to be honest. So it was, it was like the marketing group. And I was like, well, yeah, I like marketing, but I'm not a marketing expert. Um, so I was a bit kind of hesitant about joining, thinking I'd be a bit of a, a fraud and an intruder, really. But having joined it, I, I was made to feel so welcome. There was just a room full of like, you know, the who's who, of people in the state agency were in that group and it was fantastic. Um, and just being able to learn from them, to be fair, you, you learn as much the night before actually. Um, and the anecdotal conversations you have in between the meetings. Mm. So, uh, and it's just having that, that, those peers to bounce off because you know, as, as, as a manager or a partner or a director, you know, it can be a little bit lonely. So to be able to speak to your peers and go, I think this, and they go, oh yeah, well we, we had that last year and this is what we did. Or, it's just invaluable. Whereas, like I say, with my twenties, when I was making all the classic mistakes, you know, who was there to talk to really in terms of, you know, this is what we need to do and that kind of guidance. You were, I was very fortunate in David Jones and Mike Evans, who were my managers during my twenties. They were, they were world-class estate agents, no, no messing. They were brilliant. Um, and if I hadn't had that guidance, I think I'd have been, you know, I'd have done all right, don't get me wrong, but it would have been a lot harder. Mm. And I wouldn't have had those kind of foundations. I would agree with you there. Um, talking about the now uh, this time, so applying everything, those lessons, everything, I think for the last few months at least, it's safe to say that it's been pretty busy out there for you know, many of our listeners. I think an entire industry has probably experienced a market that they've been waiting a very long time for. 
uh, and touch wood long may that continue. Um, regardless of whether you're, you know, listing over Zoom in a pseudo lockdown area, if you're, if you're in one of those local lockdowns at the moment, busy market, weak market, whatever you want to call it, like talk us through what you've learned through that, 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 that training and everything you've learned and, and from your early managers, what is the most important thing that you need to nail on every listing appointment? On every listing appointment, mm. um, there, there's a great expression, isn't it? Two ears, one mouth and use them in those proportion. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the real skill actually, is to be able to ask those questions. I mean, the, the ultimate question is how soon are you thinking of moving? Um, and if you can get that in within the first two or three sentences of meeting somebody, shut up, listen, you will get all the answers to everything you're, every, the reason why you're there, you're about to find out. Um, so I think the key, like I say, is asking better questions and the answers that they give, and you can then diagnose what it is that they actually want. Because a lot of people don't quite know exactly what it is they want. And if they did know, they wouldn't need an estate agent. So it's really important that you're listening and able to diagnose you know, what it is that's actually required. So, cause, cause everybody's different. Everyone's got different, you know, timescales, drivers, um, periods in their life, you know, Josh Fegan, there's 13 different clients, isn't there? So, you know, you, <laughs> you need to listen to find out. So, you know, the classic is if there's a, a marital split, you go in there all, hi, how are you doing? What a great house. <laughs> and mm. then you realize that they're both sat on opposite sides of the sofa, not talking to each other. And you think, oh, I, I could have missed my mark here. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's those softer skills really, isn't it? Absolutely. Developed over, over years and years and practice makes perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is experience? It's someone who's made a lot of mistakes, isn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> like um, can we move on then? Yeah. Can we, can we move on to fees, Michael? So um, we talked a little bit about skills, um, asking better questions straight out of Stephen Brown's um, book, you know, the really keen on, on, on those questions, but how have you seen some of the discount agents come out hard recently? And if you come up against um, a cheaper fee agent, how do you and your guys handle objections over fee? Yeah, um, the key is to have confidence, really, and, and, and have a belief. But I must admit, I was always, um, when I first started hearing people talking about belief, I was a bit skeptical. I always had it myself, but I always thought they were kind of peddling a bit of mumbo jumbo and it was all a bit, you know. Bit Tony Robbins and a bit, you know, a bit hippie and all this kind of stuff. But it is true. Um, and if you don't believe in yourself, it, it's just not going to happen. So we, we didn't find that the discount, um, you know, the online model has just not been a threat in our area at all. Um, in one town, actually, they've got a very credible board count of probably somewhere between 15 and 20%, which is significant. Uh, but in our, the six markets we operate in, that's the only one where, you know, that there is any significant kind of traction. I think that just comes down to the fact that actually have good operators operating in that patch. Um, but the, the, the challenge really from the fee isn't from the onlineers, it's from the people who, from the outside looking in, have got the same basic proposition that you have, um, but with a different colored board. Um, and they're trying to compete with, you know, um, you know discounted fees. And there's, there's a lot of hollow husks of businesses out there on the field. Um, who at that kind of fee level, they can't really afford to invest in the staff. They can't afford to invest in their customers. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of kind of penny-wise, pound-foolish type stuff. So, you know, if, if you want to be able to do a good job for your clients, um, you have to have, you know, something tangible behind it that's actually going to make that happen. Um, and you can't do it at a discount. People don't want discount. They want good. Are you good? Right. Okay. Well, let's get on with it now. How hard is it 
Oh, sorry, that's the wrong way to ask that question. But why is it so difficult for many agents to have that belief? You know, I, I agree with you. People don't want discounts. They want good. Um, discount is what a Thai restaurant has to offer to take someone away from the other Thai restaurant when they want pad Thai at 7 o'clock on a Friday night. You know? um, like, why is that a mindset that's so difficult to adopt? I think, I think the fee pressure makes it very difficult um, so we're, we're very much, uh, you compare it to the Australian model, which I'm sure you'd know well. Um, we're much more like an industrial complex. So we're volume. So it's churn and we need volume in there. Whereas I think, you know, from the outside looking in the Australian model um, is a little bit more kind of curated and you have less clients and you and a higher standard is expected because you are their agent. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's, that, 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 that's part of it. Um, but in terms of the fees, I think, I think the big issue again goes down to training. Um, you know, if on average, you know, the average, the average firm's turnover, what do they spend on training expressed as a percentage mm. as a UK average, I'll have a fiver with you, ain't 1%, you know, no way. <laughs> that's, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And I, I won't tell you what our budget is, but it's, as a expressed as a percentage, I'm embarrassed to say, if I'm honest. And I'm seriously considering like, you know, doubling it, if not trebling it. Mm. Well, let's talk about training for a second. Cause I, I had a conversation with one of my team yesterday where uh, we, we spoke to the sort of management team of a business um, and they were strong agents, um, but we came away from it feeling like they were very much the, a, a sort of a company that was that cliche of uh, let's not spend any money on our people because they'll leave us. Mm. rather than if we don't and they stay it's even worse yeah you know? so did you all work before you adopted the training stuff and everything like that you know was that a mentality that you saw was quite common not, you know, not like in our organization it, to be fair it, it's always been a really nice place to work um so my father you know always kind of set the tone from that point of view um, and people believed in him uh, and he always invested in people and he always gave people their chance uh, and that was his great kind of legacy, really. Um, and he had a huge kind of goodwill and following off the back of it. So whereas where we're taking the business now is to have a, you know, a little bit more kind of structure in it. So, you know, corporate with a very, very small C in terms of, you know, something resembling targets and accountability, but very much with it. Look, you know, and this is going to be a really nice place to work. It's going to be really successful as well. Yeah. Talk us through then. The, the corporate with a little C because um, I, I, I think that that's probably a model if we use that word uh, that a lot of um, even small businesses could adopt to actually improve their performance um, or improve their people as well. Like do you, when you bring somebody new into the business, do they have a pathway, like is there required training and development that they do? You know, do you talk about what their lives are going to look like in 12 months, 18 months, et cetera? We're, we're building that as we speak. So, We've grown from four offices to six offices in the last few years. So which expressed as a percentage, that means we've grown 50%. So sorry for the maths lesson. <laughs> but um, from a cultural point of view, uh, you know, that was a real challenge for us. Mm. Um, and historically, so, you know, so from my story, you know, I, I was about third in line in one of our offices when I first started. And it was, you know, it's proper dead man's shoes, to be fair. It, it, someone had to leave for me to progress. And then literally in one weekend, um, someone left another office, someone left our office and someone left somewhere else. And before you knew it, I, I was literally the only person there. And I went, 
I'll do it then. Um, <laughs> it was complete, whilst, you know, it was perhaps inevitable. Um, it wasn't inevitable that it was going to happen that weekend, but it really, but it really did. Um, so, but I obviously had a, uh, I was never going anywhere, was I? Um, whereas from a lot of our guys and girls' point of view, if they do have ambition, um, it's really important that we've got a pathway for them. So we are quite literally um, building that as we speak. So that is our number one agenda. Um, for, because what we found is from a recruiting point of view, we've really struggled um, to find experienced agents um, of the quality. They're just, they're just around our area, there's not many, um, unless they own the, 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 where they operate, but they're, they're, very, they're genuinely few and far between. But what we've also found is um, that at an entry level, there's some fantastic talent out there, but we've got to grow it. And it's kind of two or three year investment in them and they need to know where they're going. So, so we, we, we've, we've got quite an ambitious plan to double the turnover of the business in the next five years. Uh, for those people who are good enough, there's pathways for them. So that's, that's where we're at at the moment. That, that to me is the, the, the missing link between um, those companies that hire a lot of grads and hope someone succeeds versus people that recognize actually there are, there's almost an abundance of the right attitude out there at the moment. You know, I, I don't subscribe to the young people are lazy mentality. Um, I think that everybody, as you say, if they're given a chance and I loved uh, what you just said there about um, if people have ambition, you show them the way. Um, and, and to me, ambition and attitude, uh, like they align, you know, you don't have one without the other, I don't believe. And then if you can put them through what Peter Knight and Stephen Brown have taught you with a knock date and perspective, Correct. uh, then it does wonders for the person, which inevitably does wonders for the business. Um, on your business then, I want to, I want to now take a, the third right hand turn of our conversation. Um, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about your, uh, like foray into prop tech. Um, which uh, Mark and I woke up to a, a very cool text message at like yes. 20 past six or 5.45 yes. on Sunday morning. <laughs> really? Apologies yeah. about that. No, mate, it was cool. I was literally, I was going to bake some bread and I realized I don't have any flour in my house. Uh, weird story. Anyway, um, but it, it, you've, you've developed something that's quite useful. Yeah, uh, I think anyway, for the leading industry with a uh, business that you've built called Agent Response. Do you want to just share a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, again, going back to getting into agency by mistake, we got into PropTech by mistake as well. Um, complete accident. Um, we went into furlough, same as anybody else. Um, we kept our property managers on, so we've got about 700 houses under management, um, six branches. So we kept our six branch managers on, uh, but we furloughed all the front end sales and nettings team. So the plan was, right, okay, you know, whilst everyone has, you know, gone to sleep and into hibernation, um, which most did, um, we'll actually be proactive, we'll look after our pipeline, uh, look after our plant base, do a bit of prospecting, do all those rainy day jobs. And so I had our, you know, top people in thinking, right, this is, this is quite a significant investment because we could have just sent them home and taken the money. Um, and, you know, let's, let's get on the front foot and do something. So in, in our one office that had got seven houses to let, it had 200 email inquiries for seven rental properties. So wow. we had an all hands meeting every night at 5.15 on, on Zoom where everybody logs in and we have a quick 10 or 15, you know, quick meeting's a good meeting. How have you got on today? So of course I've got, I, I, I've logged into this meeting first thing going, right, okay, what's all these positive and proactive things that we've been able to do with all this spare time we've had? And I've just got these, you know, 
white sheets <laughs> of people <laughs> who've just been absolutely mown over by just these deluge of lettings leads. And they're not necessarily, you know, lettings isn't necessarily their strong suit either. Because um, a lot of our, you know, our branch managers are kind of more sales, if I'm being honest. Um, so it's quite a crash course for them. So anyway, there was this form going around in the various Facebook groups saying, look, um, with all these leads you're getting in from tenants, if, if you send them this form back, most of them won't fill it in. That's fine. Um, and then um, the ones who do reply, those are the ones you want to bring because um, those are the ones who are going to rent the houses from you. Um, oh, great. So now I've got my top paid members of staff um, doing admin tasks, <laughs> just responding to emails with cut and paste and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, well, in this day and age, surely, you know, surely there's like a technical solution. So, you know, we, we book, you know, uh, meetings on Calendly and Zoom and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's fantastic technology out there. Why, why can't agents have it as well? So um, I spoke to our, um, our, our website designers, I7 and Leon, who's, who we've dealt with for about 10 years now. They're a fantastic business. I said, look, you know, is it possible that A, we can create this form um, in a digital format, and B, you can bounce all the leads that come from right move on the market, et cetera, straight back out to them. And he's gone, yeah, we can do that. Um, and he did. <laughs> so, um, so basically, we've, we've seen about an 80% drop off in the deluge. Um, the first person who ever responded to it was a doctor. So, you know, good start. Mm. Um, I was said to the staff, look, you know, is, yeah, how are you getting on with it? And they're going, yeah, it's all right. And I'm like, no, no, seriously, you, you can tell me, you know, we can, we can remove it if you like, because I, I was genuinely expecting a bit of pushback from it, because the email does not go through, the, the original email does not get through to the office, okay? Mm. They only see the completed ones. Um, and they're like, no, 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 it's brilliant. <laughs> it works. So, fantastic. So, um, I was digging in the back end of Rightmove, and we get similar volume of phone calls to what we do, e uh, email leads. And on the, the crude assumption that 80% of the email leads are of dubious quality on the letting side of things, um, I took the same assumption to the phone calls. Um, so um, beginning of last week, um, we uh, have started testing the phone. So there's an autoresponder on the phone. So if you ring through on the portals, and by the way, if, if, if you Google our office, you'll get the landline, you can speak to a person, that's not a problem. So, um, but if you come through on the portals via phone, you get a text message bounced into your in inbox that says, look, thank you very much, but please fill out this form. Mm. Uh, and again, those that do, ring them. You're going to let the house. Those that don't, that's fine. It's, it's onerous enough to put off the people who aren't serious, um, but it's not onerous enough that actually, if I'm serious, it's fine. So what we found is everybody's winning. So from a client experience point of view, um, you'll actually get called back because we've got time. Because of those 200 leads, which, which are the seven who are going to rent those houses? I don't know. You, it's you have to <laughs> you can have to you can have to start dialing and smiling, aren't you, to find out? So, whereas this way, you know, with the leads that come in, ring them. They have a far better customer experience because they have, the the serious ones get called back first. And okay. um, from a staff point of view, you're not getting waterboarded with leads because our, our our front end lettings was always a revolving chair. You could deal with it for a year or two, and then you just said, I've I've got to go unless you're a real special type of person who, who love that stuff but it was it's, it's not a great job um and it's a loss leader ultimately anyway because we're geared towards getting the properties under management so it's it's not a lucrative career path either um and then the final thing is from a money well we use money penny who are great what a fantastic business they are and when people ring us up to say hi um i want someone to come around and value my house for the two quid or whatever it is that that costs for that missed call worth it all day every day 
But when someone's had a row with their partner and they've got three Rottweilers and it's not, it's not worth two quid. Just, just it's not. Um, so we've seen probably, so we as a business are in danger. We've got three offices that are serious offices at the minute. Yeah. So I'm talking like quarter of a million pound pipeline plus uh, 200 houses under management, you know, proper operations. So uh, they typically miss about 50 calls a day at the minute. Um, our Telford office missed six phone calls last week, sales and lettings. So that's like about five grand a year cost advantage over the other office. Mm. It's just, it, it's just, no it just gives us a chance to start being good at our job, really. Mm. And all we're asking from the tech, because because the, the world's gone very, um, you know, it's the EA Masters this week or last week, depending on when this is getting broadcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, last week, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So right move. So look, you know, ten percent of leads. Sorry, only ten percent of leads get responded to within an hour. Twenty-five percent of phone calls don't get responded to. This isn't good enough. And by the way, we're putting your fees up next year, and it's your fault because you can't. You know, you, you you're just not efficient enough as a business, and you, you need to do better. But we're sending you loads of leads, and and all I'm saying is, well, if if you look at your invoice book relative to all the leads that came in, if, if you're converting 5% of them, you're probably running a pretty successful operation, actually. Mm. And if you're running at 6%, you're probably world-class. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, how, how, you know, what other businesses in this world could, you know, if Tesco's only, you know, got 5% of the people who came through the shop doors through the checkout, it would <laughs> it'd fold overnight, wouldn't it? So, whereas we're expected to do this. Um, and this just gives us a fighting chance of actually saying, well, look, the, the, the quantity of leads is fantastic, but, you know, any, any chance to have a conversation about the quality of them? Um, and this just is a very quick and easy way of getting us straight to the quality ones. Mm. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Simple, simple economics and let the, let the team do the high value task. 100%. But, it, but it's counterintuitive, you see, because... Who out there is saying, hi, I'm going to get you less leads and I'm going to charge you for it? Because that's basically what I'm peddling. And everyone I've spoken to has said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not, not get out. Yeah. It's, it's a, funny, it's a funny, funny turnaround. There's agents are screaming out for leads, but ten, not, probably not tenant leads in this instance. Yeah, fair. Yeah, but you... But, you know, there's, there's like Stephen Brown, for instance, you know, fantastic courses on prospecting and stuff. But, you know, if you've got 200 leads in your inbox, you're not doing any prospecting today. Mm. No chance. No. no, absolutely. Really, really interesting. It'd be um, really good to see how, how that develops over the next few uh, few weeks and months. Michael, thanks very much Thank for, you, yeah. um, for talking us through it. Um, I just wanted to ask a question as a, as a family business. Um, so I work in a family business with my mum and my wife. Um, sometimes it's, it's really difficult, but I just wanted um, to see if you could give any advice for the challenges. If there is anyone, if there is, if there is anybody listening now, obviously through your twenties and as you as you develop to be the serious owner that you are now, what challenges did you face coming into a family business, and how did you overcome them? Because I think there are challenges um, unique to a family business that that maybe aren't the same in, in other businesses. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a different set of problems, certainly. Um, and first world problems, from my point of view, I hasten to add, so you don't need to feel too sorry for me. But uh, my dad was great. He was fantastic. We never had a crossword with each other. Um, he completely backed me. If anything, he was the radical one. Uh, and I was the one going, oh, look, you know, I think that's a bit much, Dad. You know, we might need to kind of... In, in terms of, you know, he knew what the client... He knew, 
sorry, he didn't know what cloud computing was actually, but he was telling us that we needed to be in the cloud over 10 years ago. So, but he could barely send an email. It was a bit like that really. So, but, so he was fantastic. But I suppose the, the big thing for me was, um, dad had a very, very, very kind of loyal um, following, shall we say, in, in terms of his partners and such like. Um, and the, probably the biggest challenge was, whilst they all accepted and respected kind of who I was and what the trajectory was, um, they were brought into him not necessarily into me. Mm. Um, so the biggest transition actually is, um, you know, surrounding myself with kind of my people, shall we say, who are bought into, you know, they're respected my dad, uh, but they're bought into me and what I'm going to be doing. So that, that, that transition was probably the, the, the toughest thing because, and I'm sure it was difficult for them as well, um, because, you know, <laughs> we had one lady who retired this year who had been with us for about 50 years, and she quite literally did change my nappy. Um, not recently, I hasten to add. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know it, it, it is difficult when you've known someone when they were a baby and now they're in the nicest possible way they're telling you what to do um, and hopefully I've done it politely and with respect and everything else but you know that, 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 that basically is the situation so, so managing that transition is difficult um, and it does have its challenges and, and, and basically what I did I just doubled down on learning really um, because there was a, it, some people have fantastic, you know, empathy and people skills and they're just like, my wife's just a natural for it. She's like, that's just common sense, isn't it? And like, well, not to me, it isn't. I had to learn it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's really, really interesting as you, as you, as you come up managing that, that transition. Thanks very much. And um, a final question, Michael, a question that we ask um, all of our guests is what does world-class state agency look like to you? Um, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, I suppose my answer to that is we've got four values, which is integrity, services, sorry, integrity, service, accountability, and loyalty. Um, and I think if you can line all those four up, so integrity, you know, do what you say, say what you do. Um, you, know, uh, 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 you know, what do you do when people are not looking? That's integrity for me. Um, accountability, look, you said you'd do it. Has it been done? Um, loyalty, you know, when times are hard, you know, from an employer's point of view, you know, we didn't make any redundancies during furlough. Um, so, and I, and I said that before Rishi made his announcement, actually. So I said, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we aren't making any. Um, so that was, you know, that, that worked out quite well in there. I got lucky there, perhaps. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, loyalty uh, and service, which is, you know, very simply, um, you know, if someone else did it for free, um, we'd still be better value. So if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're using that as our kind of moral compass, um, and you're getting those four things lined up, you, you're not going to be far off. I'd agree with you. Michael, thank you. Um, you are an early bird, but we're grateful that you gave us uh, time this morning as well. Um, if people want to get in touch about um, agent response or just to talk to you, talk shop about agency, one thing I know for sure about you is that you are a sharer. Um, and so I'm sure that if somebody had questions for you, they could ask them, prop tech or property, doesn't matter. What's the best way to get in touch? Uh, my email address is available on the website, but honestly, the best one is probably via Facebook. So I'm in most of the usual chat groups. I'm not always the most vocal in there, but I'm sure if you search my name, you'll find it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm always on the end of the phone. So if I can help anyone, you know, it's the very least I can do. Good on you, Michael. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Cheers, Sam. Thanks, Mark. And also thank you once again to Michael Nesselton from Knock Dayton for joining us on today's podcast. And Sam, a man who really knows his numbers, a man who's very passionate um, about estate agency, but I want to start um, with what he talked about as sort of those classic mistakes 
that he made in his in his twenties. And I want to ask you: Do you think you made some of those mistakes that he talked about? I think everybody does. You know, you you get into this uh, industry. There seems to be two common ways that the people that sort of last, and I mean, have that you know five, 10 year plus career come into the industry and that's through the family business or through a very poor experience. Um, and either of those two things, I think you come into it just seeing how it's done. You're like, okay, yeah, I could do that. Uh, and what you don't really understand is the nuance behind the scenes. You know, if you've seen your mum or dad be an estate agent for their whole lives and you get into it, what you haven't done is sat in the dining room with them and their clients listening to the questions they ask or anything like that. So yeah, I think they're called classic mistakes for a reason. Um, they're, they're like hyper common. Um, and, and everybody just, uh, I wrote down a note that lack of skills and personal awareness, you know, everybody gets into real estate because they're driven and competitive. But as Michael said, that's not enough, you know, and being accurate on evaluation isn't enough. You've got to have those softer skills. You've got to have that empathy. You've got to really understand your clients so that you can offer them whatever you've promised that you're going to be offering them. Because if you don't, if you don't understand them that much, then, you know, the rest of it's just fluff. You know, you've got values for the sake of having some shit written on a wall, um, but you don't actually live them, you know? Um, and I think there's a few agents out there that, that, you know, have words like honesty and integrity written on the walls of their offices but don't actually live and breathe them. Whereas I think Michael's gone through uh, growth, you know, uh, and a lot of hard work and a lot of self-work uh, over the last 18 years. Um, and he's seeing those results now is living and breathing those values. So it's cool. Yeah, that's the key. I think he talked about learning, improving with the Property Academy with Stephen Brown and, and his, his mastermind. I think that was one of the key things that, helped him get rid of those classic mistakes because he talked right at the very end about burnout. If you're still making those classic mistakes and you're an experienced agent of 18 years, you've probably not gone through that self-development and improvement. He talked about scripts, dialogue, skills, stuff that you've got to work on and you've got to be conscious to work on those things. I don't think it just necessarily, I mean, some people it will, but it just, it doesn't necessarily happened some of it is experience but some of it is obviously you know he was very conscious about going out and looking and improving and, and getting better and i think that's really important and um, if you are making those classic mistakes that you go on that, that development path yeah and i think you it takes a long time i think um and long time is subjective to some people but i reckon it took me years of of realizing that working on yourself is still work um and it does take time and energy um, and actually, you know, professional and self-development outside of 20 cold calls a day and door knocking, everything is, is as important in growing a business and growing a reputation, you know, and building momentum and success as much as those sort of core KPI type things are. Um, I friend of the show, like Asad Riaz runs uh, uh, him and, and Vicky run an amazing business in location, location. And Asad and I have spoken like he, he's, they set personal development KPIs for their team, you know? So part of their work is how many pages have you read of your book today or this week or how many books you read this month and things like that, because they recognize how important it is to Mike talked about pathways. You know, they've recognized how important it is to that pathway to actually match what the business can offer to that staff members ambition and attitude. So yeah, it was cool. I, I think one of the key things I reckon that 
uh, and I thinking back on this now, I wish that I'd asked a follow-up question, um, but it might be a good excuse to have Mike back on the show. But he said something like, uh, what I realized was that what I was thinking and what I was saying and what our team were hearing were often like three different things. Um, yeah, that, I wrote that as well. Yeah, because I've uh, started to go through this myself in that my communication style is very direct. Um, and in some instances, like I'm, I'm aware enough that it's often too direct. Um, and I sort of told myself this lie that I didn't have time for it not to be. And I was just like, you just got to say what you think. You know, uh, people think you're an asshole. That's okay. Um, you don't mean it that way, but you just, you don't have half an hour to explain something that should take 10 minutes. You know what I mean? We're trying to achieve a lot, but actually uh, I now recognize that the communication is not about the words that I use or how I choose to say it. It's how it's understood at the other side. And so I've got a, my, my work, like what I work on the most now is, understanding how people need to be spoken to written to etc uh, so that that message is heard in the right way and can still be direct if that makes sense yeah I, I really like that because he was talking about that as the challenge of a lister and a manager which is a challenge to manage people when when you're out of the office I think you said what I thought said and heard weren't always the same and I know from within our office that those things definitely happen you know, from myself and the, and the team as well um, so I think you're right the skill in communication is not thinking of saying it but actually developing so that it's heard as you want it to be heard I think that's, that's really that's, that was I've written that in quotation marks that was probably one of the biggest things I took out of that interview because I thought it was in, inspired and obviously someone who has worked on not just the skills of agency but then the skills in management and, and senior management because that's not just a simple agency skill it's obviously a management skill so it's, yeah. I thought it was really important on the listing skills he talked as we've, we've spoken many times two ears one mouth um, and a key question I think he mentioned about asking better questions um, diagnosing what, what is required but a key question how soon are you thinking of moving shut up and let them tell you you know the full, the full story then yeah it, it, I mean how often do we talk about it it Real estate's not exactly an easy uh, game industry profession, but it's incredibly simple. You know, find out what people need, find out who they are, uh, and then and then work with them. Like adapt your communication, as we just talked about, to give them exactly what they need, and then uh, diagnose what's required and prescribe what they need for it. You know it. If you ask better questions, you get better results, I think. Um, and that, that sort of leads in, I think, to um, where we sort of ended the conversation around what world-class agency looks like to, to Michael. And I think what he's trying to instill in everybody in the business, whether they're new or old, you know, integrity, service, accountability, loyalty. Um, if you're asking really good questions, you know, then probably you're going to find out uh, exactly what they are. And then you have the integrity to make sure you deliver on what they need. Um, and nothing else you know you're going to do that through having great service you're going to be accountable to everything that you tell them to do in that meeting um, and then you're going to be loyal and they're more importantly they're going to be loyal to you you know you, you ask better questions you get better results you probably build better relationships um, and then that loyalty just stems from that no one's ever been loyal to someone that they assume wasn't um, acting with integrity or didn't deliver them good service or wasn't accountable to yeah i'm going to call you you know four times a week and then they only call them once 
so I think all of that stuff just it, it dovetails really nicely. I think I think the answer to world class agency to bring it back to his core values. As soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, that that's powerful stuff because he's instilling that in his team because he believes it's, it's world class agency. So why would he not? give that as his answer but it just shows how deeply rooted it is in his um in his beliefs and i can see why it's it, as you say a lot of common sense estate agency a lot of common sense doing what you say you'll you'll do and it's just you know those four things cover it off really well i thought it was a great answer perfect and um, just before we wrap up i thought you would like um what he's talked about is building building a corporate with a small c i really like that i thought that was you know quite a um a term that people within the industry could you know get behind yeah um to me the the simplest way of sort of breaking that down at least the way i understood it was that he is implementing process and structure across the business so when you start on day one with noctaden or noctaden mike you have to tell me how to say that properly i apologize uh <laughs> you you know you know what your ideal day looks like or you know what your ideal week looks like and you know if you tick all the boxes then they'll tick all the boxes for you and where you'll be in six months or 12 months or two years um and i think in you know many independents doesn't matter if you're one branch or 15 branches that is that piece that's missing um where you actually let down some of that amazing talent that michael was saying is out there um and and it just makes a hell of a lot of sense to do it that way it's not a small task you know i'm sure when he says that's our we're going through that process now and it's our priority it's probably months if not a year's worth of work to get it right um, but the fact that you're doing it i think should be a, a clear sign that it's something if, if you're listening to this and not doing that you need to be investing the time in. yeah i thought i thought it was really powerful that, that building a pathway not only can it help you attract the right talent but i always just think if you sit down with the hire who you're really excited. And I'm sure most people who hire someone are really excited to get them started because you don't just hire someone because they will do, or I hope not anyway. Um, but if you've got that right person in the right job, you sit them down first day and say, right, this is the pathway, this is where you're gonna go. You know, they walk, they walk home at night, have a question from the partner, how was the first day? Oh, fantastic, look, this is where I'm gonna be in six months, this is where I'm gonna be in 12 months, bang, bang, bang. That is buying from, from day one in my really and a very worthwhile um piece of work but as you say no no small feat by any stretch of the imagination and a massive thank you once again and um, to michael for for joining us on today's show we do this because we love our industry we want to see it get better and um, please like what we do share it out on social media and we will see you again next week <laughs>